0: the charlotte hornets finally make a couple of moves in free agency what did we think of them and then we debut the top 35 charlotte hornets of all time the long anticipated list it's coming up today locked on hornets we're locked on hornets part of the locked on podcast network your team every day in a minute laugh. we live Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making this your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast, and that does... Include YouTube. FanDuel is this uh, episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. That is Doug Branson. He is sitting down. It is very different. You can see the underbill, the Hornets logo. Honestly, we get a great view of the underbill, and I know you love a good underbill. Real quickly, find his work on his sub stack, dot 4com Well, not real Why quickly. The-
1: not real quickly. Stay there a while. I mean, lounge, you know, give <laughs> me give me a cup, pay for a cup of coffee while you're there. I mean, come on.
0: That's true. That's true. Yeah. I was just going to try to say that quickly, actually spend a long time on every horn at Why, why, why the less enthusiasm, just not feeling it today.
1: I know I'm definitely feeling it. I mean, we've got some big signings to talk about. Okay. We've got some exciting quotes from some new owners to talk about. I am pumped. Um, I'm stoked, but I worked out. And I don't know if you've ever worked out uh, recently or ever Walker, but I don't advise it. Um, I, I worked out. Did a few too many squats. Um, It's difficult to stand. It's difficult to sit. It's difficult to exist right now. I'm doing my best. I'm probably never going to work out again. (laughs) Um, But I'm sitting instead of standing (sighs) today.
0: Wait, you 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 don't work out, and then you decided to start with squats. Is that what ha- That sounds like an awful idea.
1: Well, you know, you download these apps, and they get you all excited yeah. about what you can and can't do, and they they overpromise, and then your body can't deliver. That's where I'm at right now. So listen, uh, we mistakes have been made, uh, but here we are, and I'm ready to do this show. I'm just excited as I am normal. I started standing up. I used to sit down. I stood up so that I could get a little bit more energy into the show. I think mm-hmm. mission accomplished. Uh, but I think I can I'm, I'm going to see if I can translate it, if, if I can translate it from the top floor of the building down to the basement. We'll see.
0: All right. Sounds good. Let's talk about a couple of these free agent signings. And yes, I did say multiple. The Charlotte Hornet signed multiple dudes. Duh, That's, uh, <laughs> that,
1: I guess. That, that is breaking news like that is okay. that deserves. <laughs> yes. It deserves the DJ air horn. I think I have a breaking news sounder. Yeah, it deserves all of that.
0: All of it. All of it. The fact that there are multiple guys that they have signed. A couple of days ago, President of Basketball Operations and General Manager Mitch Kupchak announced that the Hornets had signed free agent guard Frank Nilekina. Frankie Smokes, you might know him as. But team policy terms of the deal were not disclosed then. I don't know if those details uh, have been released since, but we can tell you a little bit about his experience. He's appeared in over 300 games. He has 65 starts under his belt over the past six NBA seasons. Four with New York, a couple of years with Dallas, 4.8 points per game, 1.8 rebounds, 2.2 assists in just over 17 minutes per contest. Doug, this was somebody that I think people thought the Hornets might draft if he fell to him. There was some of that conversation. I know. I think you guys had it. I know talking about Frankie smokes with Rick Bunnell um, all those years ago when he was entering the NBA draft. So what do you think about this signing now? Of Frankie, and not you know six years ago when they could have drafted. him.
1: So it seems like the deal is partially guaranteed. We don't know how much money's involved, but one one would have to assume that it is some kind of veteran minimum type of deal. As Frank Milakina, after going to Dallas for two seasons, uh, was much like Dennis Smith Jr. before him. It it looked like it might be the end of the NBA road for him, uh, and the Hornets salvage uh, Frank's NBA career at least. For now, and it looks like they're just making their way up the 2017 draft board, right? Because Dennis Smith Jr. went one spot yep. below Frank Lakina in that draft. And so Dennis Smith Jr. leaves in free agency because uh, Brooklyn made him a priority. It wasn't about money. There were reports that the Hornets offered Dennis Smith Jr. more money. And so now they go back to the Walmart DVD bin of NBA backup point guards. And they get Frank Nelakina, a player that is known for his excellent defense at the point of attack. That is something that is a proven skill of his. Uh, But the problem is, Walker, that he, at least last season, and really his offense generally has been in decline, but last season he was awful offensively. And when you're so bad offensively that it affects your ability to be a playmaker, it affects your ability to be a scorer, it affects your ability to really make defenses play honestly against you, that's going to ripple effect into the rest of your offense. It makes it difficult for you to play. And that's why he didn't average many minutes for the Mavericks. It's why he didn't get a significant role until the Mavericks were fully out of the playoffs you know, and so that's the question. The same question we had about Dennis Smith Jr. when they signed him late into the offseason last season, which was can his offense be, you know, just just good enough where you can justify playing him so that you can get that defense at the point of attack?
0: And by, so Dennis Smith jr replacement through and through, except offensively, Doug, I think he's probably worse. And even defensively, yeah. I think Frankie smokes is probably worse, especially last year. Now that might not be fair to say coming in to this past season, but what we saw from DSJ last year, after the fact, very much in hindsight. That guy had elite perimeter defensive numbers all across the board. And so that's why I think you look at DSJ. That's why everybody was a little disappointed to see that he went to Brooklyn for such little money. Now, again, those reports were that the Hornets wanted to give him some more money, but he liked his role better with Brooklyn. That's a little bit more salvageable in the Hornets fan base opinion, I would imagine, but. Frankie offensively, you're right, Doug. I mean, it wasn't good last year, but it's also never been good offensively for him. He is a career 37% shooter from the field, perhaps a tiny, tiny bit better three-point shooter, but really not enough to make any kind of significant difference. The offensive thing for me here, Doug, too, is the fact that he's not as good of a facilitator as Dennis Smith Jr. And so if he's not hitting shots offensively. He's not making other guys better, and that's something DSJ was able to do last year. It was his only offensive calling card, especially when the shot wasn't falling. It's not the worst signing in the world, right? Defensively, you would love to have some guys that can help at the point of the tack, but this does feel like a DSJ signing light. Hopefully, some similar reclamation project can take place here as well.
1: I went back and watched the episode that you and I did around the Dennis Smith Jr. signing. And I think we both liked it, but we were both like, look, there are a lot of question marks here. We don't know how this is Mm -hmm. going to go. And so we have to, we can't look at this, you know, from a 2020 hindsight perspective and say, well, you know, they let DSJ go and, you know, DSJ was so great and they knew that when they signed him. No, that's not the case. They took a chance. And this is, this is what the Hornets do at the backup point guard position. They've been doing this even if you look back into the Rich Cho era. This is how they've approached the point guard position because, you know, they, they move on from Kemba, w- which was their solid starting point guard. And if Kemba got hurt during the Cho era, that season was over. And then they move on to Lamelo. And we all know if Lamelo gets hurt for a significant portion of this upcoming season, the season is over. So, look, if you're not serious about contending for the playoffs – and you know, you just want to go bargain shopping for a position, you might as well do that at the position where if your starter gets hurt, the season's over. It's not really going to matter whether it's Frank B. or Dennis Smith Jr. or Terry Rozier or whoever. It's not going to matter because you know LaMelo, as we saw last season when he was in and out of the lineup, is the engine of your offense. I do want to go back to what you were saying there about Frank's offense and and his defense as well. I think he's different defensively in that he's a guy that has much better size, can be much more of a versatile defender than Dennis Smith Jr. He guarded one, twos, and threes at a decent enough rate for the Dallas Mavericks in the two seasons that he was there. And I, I looked up some stats here from cleaning the glass. In those minutes, the Mavs were 4.5 points per possession better on defense when he was on the floor versus when he was off. And teams were 4% less effective at the rim, according to cleaning the glass. That's where those numbers come from. So that's good. I, I mean, again, if you oh, can replicate is. that and hit three-pointers occasionally, not take wow. a lot of them, but if he's open in the corner. Remember how many times last season, Walker, especially late, Dennis Smith Jr. was open in the corner. The ball found its way to him, and everybody went, oh. Because you knew it probably wasn't going to turn out well. Well, it's not going to be any better with Frank Nielakina, at least if you take last season as evidence, where he was dead last in corner three-point accuracy. And so that's yeah. going to be the big question. Can he hit enough shots to you know, justify his existence w- within that rotation?
0: Yeah, 13% from the corner last year, in case anybody wanted to know the number. It's, oh. it's not good. Not very good. Um, Yeah, and and so you're totally right, right? Like, I, I admit the whole hindsight thing with DSJ. You can't have that opinion and then apply it to somebody that has not played his reclamation year with the Charlotte Hornets. At the same time, those numbers still aren't as good. You take DSJ's year away last year. The numbers aren't any. There's actually not any offensive category that you can point to, you know, With any significance and say, okay, Frank is better there, right? Field goal percentage, three point shooting is the one that's probably the one for his career. But as we just mentioned, it was bad last season too. Assists go to DSJ, free throw rate that goes to DSJ as well. Points per game goes to Dennis Smith Jr. Assists, we talked about it. So yeah, well, we'll see. Hopefully, defensively, you're right. Maybe that size can come in handy when you go one through three. The other signing, real quickly, I did want to discuss. R.J. Hunter, another player that the Charlotte Hornets signed over the weekend. R.J. Hunter, best known for his Georgia State Baylor home-sending NCAA tournament three-point shot that, you know, sent his dad off of his, like, I forget what it's called, but he had torn his ACL, his dad, the coach, and then he fell onto the ground after he hit the shot. And so that happened in the NCAA tournament. That's the moment that I know R.J. Hunter for draft pick in the first round by the Boston <laughs> Celtics and never really made it with Boston. Doug, what do you make of this signing with RJ Hunter now?
1: Ah, uh, you know, you're going to see a couple of these like training camp type of deals, you know, exhibit yep. 10, whatever. And that, and that seems like what's happening here. It looks like he's got some pretty good stats in the G league. He spent a couple of years with the Erie Bayhawks and I think dropped a 40 piece on the Greensboro swarm. So maybe they just got to look at him in that game and said, wait, maybe there's something here. I mean, you hope, that as a franchise, they hit on a couple of these type of moves. I mean, these are the type of things that we look at Miami and go, man, where did they find these these pieces? And well, they made these kinds of signings and they worked out for Miami. And you hope that a few of these work out here. It's good that RJ Hunter's getting another opportunity. Seems like, you know, he's a a guy that's, that's stuck it out, is is not uh you know, is at least hung on to the fringe of G League as opposed to going overseas permanently. So we'll see, we'll see what RJ Hunter can do.
0: Yeah, last played a game for Boston, and that is just one game in 2018 and 2019. That's his last NBA game and actually flamed out remarkably quick for a first round pick. You know, RJ Hunter played 36 games his rookie year for Boston and then played nine total 2016 17, 17 18, 18 19. That 18 19 season going back to Boston and just playing one game. So it's been a while since he's played. And he has not played much for a first round pick. Just still, you don't, when you see a first rounder like that, I, I feel like you see more games usually before they flame out. But you're right. He is hanging around somehow. And the Charlotte Hornets decide to give him another chance. Most likely three-point shooting. That's what his thing was coming out of college. Can he knock down threes? Can you just knock down the open threes? And then maybe you'll get any kind of minutes whatsoever. But you're right, Doug. It's these training camp deals, probably not investing a whole lot into them. Any last words on the signings they made over the weekend?
1: Well, I think it just indicates that the roster minus PJ is essentially set. I mean, I think the, the major rotation is essentially set, except for backup point guard at this point. And so any signings you see uh, moving you know, towards the season are really just going to be about getting guys in training camp that are going to challenge your major rotation pieces and get everybody ready to go. But I don't think that this is a team that is like serious about contending in the Eastern Conference. I think this is a team that feels like, hey, we've got some young pieces. We've got a new ownership group. We want to evaluate what we have. And then maybe in the next couple of years, make some more serious moves.
0: All right, sounds good. Couple of uh, perimeter helpers that uh, you would think, you know, at least with Frankie Smokes more so, and then a training camp guy and RJ Hunter. We'll see what happens with him. Let's talk more about the Charlotte Hornets and some changes within the organization. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast.
1: Don't go to sleep on the
0: Hornets just yet. Doug already went solo on this topic, but I have not given you some of my thoughts on the comments made by new ownership Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin, and some of the interesting details that came out about their beginning tenure with the Hornets organization. We'll get to that in just a moment, but not before I discuss FanDuel with you. We appreciate FanDuel, as always, for sponsoring the show. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel, and football season is about to kick off. FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team To win the super bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every single victory you can use your bonus bets on everything from spreads player props over unders even more than that visit fanduel.com slash locked on start earning bonus bets with america's number one sports book that's fanduel.com slash locked on visit fanduel.com slash locked on more locked on hornets coming up next
1: is locked on hornets I know a lot about the weight room I know a lot ton about the way I, I I don't I don't lift a lot of weights uh, but I do kind of stand around the weight room I sort of I kind of are you using that are you you're good okay good okay good yeah. and you know no, I stand I can't. around the weight room a lot. Do you have the high
0: socks and the headband on with your hair tied back?
1: Oh yeah, big like white tube socks for sure. Yeah, yeah. headband. Yeah, I've got it all. I've got yeah, big he- he- these big he- these headphones right here that you see me wearing on YouTube right now. I take these into the gym. That's <laughs> not just you know. It's about looking professional. You got to look the part, right? Dress for the job that you want. That's how I feel about how I am in the weight room. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast.
0: Doug, so we got a media, uh, first a media availability, first press conference from Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin speaking after the sale was finalized. We got the NBA Board of Governors to approve on it, except for James Dolan, the only one that voted against the sale. <laughs> Besides James Dolan voting against the sale, everybody else seemed oh to be okay with it. And the Charlotte Hornets. The franchise exchanges hands to gay plotkin and rick schnall before we get to some of those comments and i'll hear some of your thoughts that you had and then we can go back and forth my biggest takeaway i don't at least from some of the comments it was more so them trying to relate to the fan base that that seemed to be their number one message right hey starter jackets i need to get one i (laughs) want one as a kid now i don't have one it's important to be local owners Um, you know, Michael Jordan is the goat, right? They said, Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time. They just tried to do, they tried to do the bingo card thing of what a Charlotte Hornet fan and any opinion they might have. And, you know, maybe the MJ thing is a little off base, but you get the idea. It does seem like they were trying to relate to the fan base as much as possible. My biggest thing and takeaway from the details that came out that day, a little before the press conference, it was the exchanging authority, Doug, between Rick Schnall and Gabe Plotkin, Help me make sense of this, okay. right? Because I don't know. I know that ownership groups come together and purchase teams mm-hmm. frequently. Mm-hmm. You have a majority owner, for sure. We can go to the Carolina Panthers. David Tepper, when you're that rich, you can just buy the whole team yourself. And you sure. don't need any minority owners. You don't need a whole group. If You're Steve Ballmer buying the Clippers. Same deal there. But when you're Gabe Plotkin and your reported net worth, which can be wonky for sure. But your reported net worth is $400 million. Rick Schnall, I think, is around the same then you need to put together a group in order to purchase an NBA team. If that is the goal that you intend to reach, Mm -hmm. but Rick Schnall for the first five years is going to have control. Doug Rick Schnall for the first five years is going to have at least the decision-making control and then it'll exchange hands to Gabe Plotkin the next five years. And then we're just going to be going back and forth. Look, I just, I don't know what kind of precedent this has, I don't know if there are any other teams that operate this way. And this is an ignorant question for me, right? This is not me trying to prove a point. Oh, this is so terrible. This is the worst thing ever. I'm just generally curious. Do other teams operate this way where in five years, another owner will have 51% control? Like, will he get final say? Are, they probably won't operate that way. It's probably something to do with the finances. Wish we would have got more clarity around that during the press conference. What say you on that way of thinking and the way that is divided up, Doug?
1: It's it's interesting. I, I don't yeah. know if it's necessarily unprecedented. I know there are more than ten NBA franchises that are not sole owned. That sure. are I think it's I think it's close to thirteen, almost almost half of the franchises are not solely owned by one individual. And and so you have multiple. And I'm talking, you know, I'm sure there are like, you know, minority stakes all across the league, but I'm talking about you know significant minority stakeholders. I, I think it's a a bigger number, but it, it, I don't know the answer to your question in terms of, you know, the five year handoff situation. I think it's interesting when you have two personalities at the helm. You know, what how is that going to work? Will will it work? And and Rick Schnall seemed to make it sound like that it was a feature, not a bug, that they wanted to, you know, do it together so that it was more fun to make those kind of decisions together, as opposed to one person having it. I think it was also about financial considerations of finding the funding in order to, you know, that's the thing is these franchises, as the valuations go up, 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 there are just going to be less and less people that have the funding ability to take sole control over a franchise. So I think you're going to see more of these kind of arrangements. I think you're going to see more foreign investment get involved in, in some of these franchises, maybe some Saudi money comes in. There's been a lot of talk about that and, you know, it seems like players are okay with it. It seems like, uh, you know, uh, that everybody that stands to make money is, is okay with that. So I think you're going to see some more of these weird, you know, situations, the question is, will it cause drama? You know, will it impact the ability for this ownership group to come together and make the right decision? Because when you have one person, then, you know, those decisions get made very easily. And then you know exactly who to blame or who to praise if those decisions go right. But when you have two people, you know, the story is going to be, all right, was this a schnall call or was this, you know, a a plotkin maneuver? Uh, was this a uh, ploy? A plot, a I was plot, thinking ploy, plot, plot and ploy, ploy, plot, and point. Yeah. You know, like a plot point? Mm-hmm. Was this a plot and point? Was or was this a Schnall call? You know, we're going to oh, have those see, discussions. I can
0: see the gears grinding in the head. You were close, right? Yeah, Schnall call plotkin maneuver <laughs> yeah this is trying oh. I, was, I
1: was doing my best there to land yeah. the plane i it was a little bit of a crash landing but everyone's uh everyone on board no one was hurt uh we the engines out. caught on fire right there at the end but we made it happen the point this is slowly
0: landing you went in the hudson it's fine i tried right, i needed a co-pilot
1: that's it that's the whole point you know a co-pilot right. you, you're a little bit safer uh but it can get more interesting and i think that's the question does it get interesting as we move forward I
0: wanted to get the wording right here. It was reported by Rod Boone ahead of the press conference. Plotkin and Schnall will serve as co-chairman of HSE, Hornet Sports Entertainment, and they will rotate the team's governorship every five years, beginning with Schnall. Just wanted to get the wording
1: correct. And honestly, I don't care. Uh, if, if they want to do it together, if they want to hand off every five years, if they want to hand off every three years, if they want to go into Michael Jordan's office and like put a big piece of yellow tape or down the middle and you get one half of the office and you get the other half of the office and it's like a sitcom situation. I don't care. As long as Schnall and Plotkin invest in this team, both from a player talent perspective, which I think is going to come if I'm, you know, d- d- evaluating this press conference, it seems like that portion of the investment is going to come later. They're going to be more patient with actually getting the checkbook out to bring in, you know, to make trades or bring in free agents. But I want to see investment across the board in player development and making this a first class, world class, best in class, whatever class you want kind of organization that they do a reputation reset that everyone around the league stops saying that the charlotte hornets are cheap and they're like nah, you know once schnall and plotkin came in the hotels got better the accommodations got better the facilities got better they've got a new practice facility that's top of the line that's the kind of thing i want to see so that the the hornets move from relevant irrelevant to joke to actual legitimate franchise
0: I, I want to pin every five years against one another to truly find out who is the best governor. Is it going to be Rick Schnall or is it going to be Gabe Plotkin? Because that, it, I, I'm absolutely going to make that joke. In 15 years, Doug, if we're still doing this podcast 20 years from now, we have two separate stents of each of these owners being at the helm for those five years at a time. I want to see... How they performed with each guy as the lead governor—that's going to be fascinating.
1: Well, you just make a good point there. Five years—that's that's a—it's that's a, not a long time. It's only five seasons, and, and a lot can change in five seasons, but a lot can not change in five seasons too. And so, you know, even though the, the it's going to change hands, I think a lot is going to ride on this on these first five seasons because Hornets fans—you know—they can talk about starter jackets and joking around about being at Michael Jordan basketball camps. I honestly don't think the Hornets fan base really cares about any of that. I don't even think they care at this point about them being local owners. I don't really think they care about J. Cole or uh, Eric Church or whatever. Here's what they care about. They'd like to see this franchise win a playoff series, uh, you know, before they die. Uh, It's been 21 years since they've won a playoff series. They want to see this team win. And it doesn't matter if they're from South Florida or New York it, it, none of that matters. Starter jackets. I don't care about any of that. Just deliver winning basketball and everybody will come back. That's totally
0: it. Totally agree. I think most of the fan base would as well. Uh, finishing up some of the comments here. They did talk about Valley sports. I don't know how much you shared on this, Doug, but Schnall on the future with Bally. Schnall said, we actually don't know the answer to that question on the future with Bally sports. We're under contract with them through 2025 and 26. We expect them to live up to that. They are under chapter 11. Time will tell exactly where people will be able to watch those games. The and worst then chapter. Schnall says they expect Bally sports to fulfill its contract to broadcast its games through that 2025, 26 contract year. And then he said, if not quote, we will have alternative plans. What did you make of those comments? What that's, did you share a couple of days ago?
1: It's the worst chapter, you know, you chapters one through 10, totally fine. Once you get to chapter 11, uh, that's, that's no good. No bueno. Uh, my, t- uh, you know, I want to have actually I'd like to take a whole episode later this week, maybe or next week and talk about the Bally's thing as it relates to the Hornets, but also just the future of consuming NBA basketball, because I think there are, are very interesting discussions to have about the state of the game, uh, the TV contracts that have been again, these TV contracts, same thing as the franchise uh, valuations. They've just been going up, 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 up. But at some point, right? With the Bally's bankruptcy, at some Mm -hmm. point, I just feel like the TV people will say, okay, I don't know that I'm getting everything that I'm paying for here. And so maybe we got to rethink all of this. It's, You know, it would... And it always, these things always crumble much more suddenly than we think they will. And that's going to have an effect on NBA salaries. It's going to have an effect on possibly the number of games that are broadcast. It's just, I think the future of the game right now, everything seems hunky-dory. Everybody's like locked into 82 games. There's a midseason tournament now. Playoffs, the length of the playoffs. Everybody's kind of locked into that. Uh, And at some point, though, I feel like if the well dries up on, on NBA TV contracts, then everybody's got to rethink everything.
0: Um, last comment, you talked about the arena and some of the upgrades. Schnall uh, said. Sned, <laughs> that's going to be tough. You arena... know, it's going to
1: be much better when Plotkin takes over. Plotkin said much easier to say than Schnall mm-hmm. said.
0: Schnall commented, uh, and he said that the (laughs) arena will look, quote, overwhelmingly different in two to three years. Back of the house renovations will begin this summer with more front-facing renovations next summer. And then they were adamant that the Hornets will eventually build a state-of-the-art standalone practice facility. We know about the contract, the new site in place as well. So just a couple of comments to finish up on there and thought it was totally fine. That's my take on it. Overall, press conference, nothing crazy. Um, I mean, the ballet sports... You know, I don't know where that's going. That that seems to be a little problematic, especially because Valley is so awful. But you know, you you that we'll see how all that is uh, is going to be taken care of. Any final comments before we move on? Uh,
1: they they didn't lose the press con- press conference, but they didn't say anything that I think is going to fundamentally change the conversation, the narrative around the Charlotte Hornets. You know, not at all. this is not going to be. And I said this during the live show, but I'll say it again. W- here's what I was looking for: Is this going to be a situation where they are stewards of a business uh, of of their valuation of their franchise valuation making sure that all of the owners 5 10 15 years from now are getting big paychecks or is this going to be a Matt Ishbia taking over the Phoenix Suns situation where it's like no this guy's coming in to like revolutionize how everything's done how everything's being done he's going to he's going to open up the wallet as much as he can to go out there and and find the the best talent and it seems like it's going to be the former and not the latter. That the that this is a transition, a stewardship from Michael Jordan, who does still have a minority stake in the in the franchise, to these two individuals with close relationships to Jordan, and, and with a mindset, uh, a business mindset. You know, this is not a lifelong fan of the Charlotte Hornets takes over team and decides to do it their way, and they're going all out. It's not a Mark Cuban taking over the Mavericks situation. It's not Ishbia. Um, this is going to be, I think, uh, boring, but boring can still win, you know, if they're willing to do some of the things, both in terms of investing in players, but also making this an organization that players actually want to come to, you know, but that's going to take, it's going to take time.
0: We'll talk plenty more about it as we go on. It's going to be weird though, to get any progress because ownership progress happens over a long time. So we'll see exactly when we're able to have some of those checkpoints where we deem fit and say, this is something ownership is doing well. This is something ownership is not doing well. One more segment to go. Let's get to the good stuff coming up next on the lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. The Hornets are celebrating their 35th anniversary in existence this year. Last time we did a list, they were celebrating their 30th anniversary. We did the top 30 (laughs) Hornets of all time. We brought it out again. We're giving you the top 35 Hornets of all time, and Doug is giving you the top 35 Hornets nicknames of all time. It's coming up in the final segment on Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. Please. You think I'm a rookie? I'm not answering that five games in. (laughs) What are you talking about what do, you, what do you, you think oh yeah you want me to you want me to go ahead and, and dance for you i'm not a puppet all right i'm not saying that one of these guys is the right pick after five summer league games for brandon miller
1: this is me being a puppet i'll absolutely be your puppet it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast
0: doug the moment's here okay at least we're gonna launch the very beginning stages Of releasing our top 35 list. My top 35 Charlotte Hornets of all time. Your top 35 Charlotte Hornets nicknames of all time. It's a great category. I know you were trying to figure out another list to bring to the table. Last time we did this you basically just stole a list on the best beers in Charlotte, and it was the top 30. And then you were reading someone else's work as I Mm -hmm. was giving you the top 30 Hornets list, but this is your work. And from what I understand, you've worked very hard on this list.
1: That's why I'm sitting. I mean, yeah, it was the workout, but also I was working out this list. Um, It took a lot out of me physically, mentally, emotionally to figure out these nicknames, but I did. Eventually I took 285 players that have suited up for this franchise. There were, around 150 to 175 nicknames that I had to whittle down to the top 35. I had to cut some, you know, I had to make some tough cuts. I've got a couple of honorable Menchies here. If, if you want a couple of these honorable Minchi let's get honorable to your list minches. first. You, was let's that what you wanted to do? do want, Mine is the that, sub that's... list. Mine is the sub list. Yours is the main list. So let's get to your list first.
0: Well, I mean, I wanted to set this up because the the top 30 Hornets that uh, of all time list that I did. It was in 2018, right? Five Mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. And I I there were a couple mistakes that I realized that I made now, even going back on it, there's a couple where I'm like, Oh yeah, I don't know what five years ago. Walker was thinking with some of these rankings and we've had some new players drafted. LaMelo ball is certainly going to be on this list and he's going to be pretty damn high. The question is, is he going to be top 10? Is it already that time for somebody like LaMelo to be top 10? Wow. Is he going to be right on the outside? Huge decision. I mean, Yeah. So LaMelo ball is going to be a monster decision, but we won't get to him until later on because I mean, I think he's pretty high up on the list already. And then Doug, like if we just want to talk about the elephant in the room, the miles bridges, bridges decision is looming large here. Is this something where, because the guy missed an entire season because he was arrested for felony domestic violence, do we not include him at all? Do we include him, but there's a big hit because he missed an entire season and the reputation has absolutely changed. Nobody else had to have a press conference where they only answered questions about oh. a felony domestic violence arrest. Nobody else had to do that. So this is the conversation that I, with Miles Bridges, he's not as high as he would have been. I Miles Bridges is a tough one for me to put. I don't know. How would you handle this Miles Bridges situation? You're right, you are Debbie Downer.
1: Listen, uh I you keep using (laughs) You keep using real conversation. You keep using the word we uh, I, I just want to clarify, yeah. this is your list. True. Uh, I want to distance myself from wow. this list as much as possible, especially after the top 30 list and the response it got. I have my own list. Um, I think people are going to respond positively to it. You have to do what you feel is right in your heart. Wow, This okay. is your list. Uh, but this is this is the tough thing about the list is people get very emotional about the lists. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, good luck. That's all I have to say.
0: Wow, yeah, you gave me absolutely nothing right there. You gave me less than nothing. I wish you gave me nothing. It would have been more than what you gave me. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. Um, the other things, I just remember people getting mad at my Matt Geiger. I'll go over some of the notable ones that I had last time. I had Matt Geiger 21. Geiger counter. I did. Yeah, Matt Geiger number 21 on That's the list. That's in the top in 35. Uh, people were also mad about Derek Coleman coming DC. in at 22. Yeah, people very angry with Derek Coleman being 22. You were mad at Jamal Mashburn being placed 15. 15 on the list. You thought that was way low. I'm Monster sure you're Mash. still not happy. That's on
1: the it. list. Uh, by the way, the Derek Monster Coleman, according player. to Basketball Reference, has a nickname, Joe Jackson. Uh, that's going to be in a list called Needs More Research. I need to figure out why. Derek Coleman did not make the top 35 with Joe Jackson or DC, uh, but that's a mm-hmm. weird one.
0: Yeah. Um, the other one that I had a hard time with was Larry Johnson, and Alonzo morning at wow. three and two mm-hmm. uh, people. I didn't realize that so many people would get frustrated with Larry Johnson being ahead of Alonzo morning um, <laughs> or excuse me, Alonzo morning being ahead of LJ. Right. I had Alonzo number two, but people were frustrated because of the way that he left compared to the way that LJ left now LJ and the Hornets don't exactly have the greatest relationship but the fan base still likes LJ more than what they like. Alonzo morning. And I, that one was a real tough one that I had. Uh, Zoe was crazy good in those first three years, just a dominant center at a time where centers were all the rage in the league, but Larry Johnson was fun. Stayed here a couple more years. So that one was a tough one. So well, it, speaks,
1: it speaks to why doing these top 35 and top 30 uh, lists and celebrating these anniversaries is strange because it's not as if this uh, franchise's history is storied And yet they did have success uh, the first time they were here in Charlotte, but that success came at a cost. That, Mm -hmm. That organization was ruthless when it came to handing out big contracts, and they were ruthless in their willingness to trade talent that were lo- talent that was loved by fans in order to acquire more talent and continue to win 50 games. It was an organization that had faults in the front office, but they used all of the tools available to them. They, they still weren't getting big-time free agents, but they were able to use trades. They were able to use the tools in their tool belt to sustain winning, something that the current iteration of the franchise We'll I have to see with these new owners, but the current iteration of the front office, at least, has not been willing to do.
0: How do you want to do this, Doug? You want to go honorable mention for me and then just give you one little bite-sized name to start the list off, and then you go, did you Love want it. to go and then save mine for last? How do you want to roll with this?
1: Listen, we got all August. We can take our time. We can uh, you know, we can really just sit in this pool of top 35 uh, as long as we want to, um, really mm-hmm. make sure that we soak it in. So, yeah, go ahead. Give me some Honorable mentions. I'll give you some Honorable Menchies on my top 35 list. Okay. And then we'll go to number 35. We'll just do one. We'll just give you a little nugget, a little taste, and then we'll really dig in uh, starting on Wednesday.
0: Okay. this The one that hurt the most to not include, I, I flip-flop back and forth. Brevin Knight is the first Honorable mention, wow. Probably 36th on the list. That's the one. Um, Brevin Knight. Assist and steals, top ten in pretty much every one of those categories, whether it be per game, total, assist, but first in Hornets franchise history in assist percentage, eighth total assist, second in assist per game. Steals, he was very good at that as well. And he was second in steal percentage, ninth total uh and second and steals per game and so brevin knight just not making it we know the story that you like to tell about harris teeter somebody yeah, took just the heat i mean he him. took the heat for a
1: bobcats team that was not loved uh by their own fan base he took the heat in a teat uh from a from a lady that was not very uh you know glad that the bobcats were back or that the mm-hmm. franchise was back uh so yeah brevin knight wow still getting that, that one was
0: a That one was a tough one. Um, I'll give you another one too. Gerald Henderson.
1: Oh, Hendo. No. Not always a bridesmaid. Always a bridesmaid. Yeah. Hendo did not make the top 35. Yeah,
0: man. Numbers weren't awful. Numbers weren't awful. Um, the teams were. The teams were pretty bad. The team that he played on that was good, like he was in that range where he was a rookie on the playoff team you know, didn't contribute nearly as much as a rookie and then was gone before they made the playoffs, their 2016 season. And then they had the seven game series with the heat in between a lot of bad Bobcats basketball did play with the Hornets a little bit. I don't know does it feel right to you that brevin knight and gerald henderson aren't on the top 35 or can you make a, any assumption on that yeah
1: i gotta hear where where you are at 35 i think that's going to give me okay. a good gauge about whether they should have made it or not if 35 is better than those two players then i think i'll feel better about it uh but yeah i mean first glance brevin knight and hendo still feel like on the now if we do a top 40 and they don't make it then listen you know five years from now when plotkin takes over when the plotkin thickens and uh, you know you do a top 40 list because we're celebrating this again for some reason, then mm-hmm. I'm going to be upset. Well, I mean, think about
0: it. Mark Williams, does Nick Smith Jr. pop off like you already are adding to there? Marty Bailey, your boy, and my guy, James Nagy, are, they? I don't even know if they made the list already. We can do a top 40 right now. Um, why don't you give me some honorable menchies, as you like to say, for your nickname
1: list? A lot of honorable menchies. I'm going to go with the guy that's going to probably be at the top of your list. Uh, very short uh, nickname here, and that's Zo. Zoe gets an honorable mention, does not make the top nicknames. I gotta give you some criteria oh, wow. for these nicknames, okay? Uh, okay. for yeah, the shortening the of the for the shortening of the names, it has to be like a, a cool shortening of the name. And I just didn't feel like Zoe quite got there for Alonzo Morning. But also, I took into account how well the player played. Did they deserve the nickname? I like creative nicknames. Um, I, and I like nicknames that don't necessarily have to do with the name but had to do with the game. So I took that into account as well. you know if if it was reflective of who they were as a player, that I I definitely took into account. So that that are those are some of the factors that went into this list. I'll give you four I'll give you a couple more honorable mentions. Malik Monk, God of dunk. I love the rhyme there. Well- yeah. I love the I love the rhyme there, but it didn't. I don't think he quite lived up to the nickname uh, there. Uh, Vernon Maxwell had a cup of coffee with the Charlotte franchise, uh, so Mad Max was his nickname. I love that nickname, Steady Eddie, Eddie Johnson. Life. Another fun one, but didn't quite make Ooh, it these there. These are good,
0: too. Yeah, this I, These are good.
1: Well, listen, I mean, some of these are, yeah. are even better. MKG barely didn't make the list. I really like the shortening of the name there. It sounded strong. It sounded, you know, MKG. It just really came off the tongue well. Uh, but MKG barely missed the list here. Uh, final one, Lance Stevenson, born ready. I think we know why he missed the list. He wasn't quite <laughs> yeah. born ready to play for oh, the Charlotte man. Hornets, but it's a fun nickname. So
0: yeah but i love it though but i have but porn ready it's such a great nickname all right do we just go ahead and start this thing off with one just give you one taste
1: number okay. the, the top 35 the 35th best player in charlotte hornets history or charlotte franchise history is cody zeller <laughs>
0: god zeller
1: wow cody zeller
0: makes the list i wanted to put him higher Part of this is what the fan base thinks of Cody Zeller. It's still my list with a twist, maybe a little influence of Hornets fandom. So with Cody Zeller, fourth all time in games played for the Charlotte (laughs) basketball franchise, played the fourth most games ever done with this franchise. Top five, top 10 in the categories you might think rebounds and defensive rebounds. He's fifth and offensive rebounds. He's third total. He's fourth all time. If you look at the amount of blocks, he's sixth all time on the franchise list in total blocks outside of Eldon Campbell, Gerald Wallace, a couple of other players that are going to be ahead of him as well. I think also this speaks to the whole does a lot of stuff that isn't in the box score. We can go to the record and I know that's your favorite. Uh, We can go to the record of that playoff team or maybe it was the year after the playoff team when he played like 30 games, something like that, right? 33. So yes, him only playing 33 games in one of those seasons. It's why he's so late. It's why he's so early on the list, I guess, however you want to look at this. But also that year, remember how they went like three and 17 in a 20 game span? And maybe it was a different year. I'm not thinking of, but you get the idea. Mm -hmm. Cody Zeller helped them win basketball games. I think he was underrated. I wanted him to be on the list for how long he played. And also the other thing is just a little bit of narrative moment here. Not the totally wrong pick. In a rich Cho era no. when you go back and look at that draft, Cody Zeller going where he was, unless you want to do something stupid and compare him to like Giannis, yes, Giannis should have been the number one overall pick, no doubt about it, but if you're going to be reasonable about this and put the players that were actually in consideration to be taken ahead of Cody Zeller at that time, Cody Zeller, the right pick, surprisingly enough, CJ McCollum, I believe in that one as well, but was 10. So Cody Zeller 35, what are your thoughts?
1: No, I think it's the right move, and I think you're good for Brevin Knight and Hendo not being as impactful to this organization because, look, Cody Zeller was available, (laughs) and he came – you know, he was a flexible guy that you could play off the bench, you could play as a starter for a little while, and look, you know, I mean, he showed some value in an NBA finals for the Miami Heat or a finals run at least – Mm-hmm. Um, so he's still got value out there in the NBA, but Cody Zeller, look, he could take a licking and keep on ticking, uh, was known for Love it. the amount of abuse that his, uh, uh, big handsome was another nickname for Cody Zeller that that big handsome face took, you know, uh, he took a bruising for this franchise and for that, he at least deserves to be top 35.
0: Okay. Yeah. I know. I felt, I almost wanted to put him higher, but it's going to be tough to try to figure this thing out. Give us your 35th mention here. On the uh, all time nickname list,
1: it came down to two. The The final honorable mention goes to Jason Maxiel for the Baby Eater. So that's my OLI <laughs> number one, Jason Maxiel's nickname. It's How true. is that not
0: number one? Yeah. Well, I don't gracious. know
1: because, because the, the Detroit Pistons gave it to him. So yeah, I took okay. some points off for that because that franchise is, uh, just thinks they can compete every year and don't, and they get on my nerves. And so he got some points docked off for that one. But going to number thirty-five is the Baconator, Dwayne Bacon. Very good, very good. Didn't quite live up to that nickname, but the franchise really leaned into it. There was a bacon bobblehead at one point. They oh, I think really, I have it over
0: there. Actually, yeah, it's somewhere. They in wanted
1: this send it to me. They wanted they wanted <laughs> it to be a thing. It unfortunately was not a thing. Steve Clifford was in love with Dwayne Bacon, uh, brought him to the uh, Magic franchise as well. Uh, but Dwayne Bacon, number 35, with the Baconator. And folks, it only gets better from here. So many good nicknames, and That's I've so done good. my research on, on a lot of these. Uh, so we're going to do some fun history on these as well.
0: Oh, uh, by the way, fun fact about Dwayne Bacon: started his first ever NBA game because Nick Batum was out. So, as a second round pick, his first ever game, and then James Borrego going into his second year or third year, whatever it was, was like, "Yeah, if we have a good year, Dwayne Bacon is going to be a large part of it." And then the first month of the season, <laughs> just misses. Good, sorry about know. that. That's a bad That's mistake. You just love to hoop. I wanted Dwayne Bacon to be so good, so badly, and it's just—he just, he just kept a missing shots. Me too. I know. It
1: didn't work out. I don't think he's going to make your top 30. I don't think he's going to make your top 35. I don't want to spoil anything, but I don't think Dwayne Begg is going to make your top 35 Hornets franchise players of all time.
0: He was an honorable mention for top 70. He was, but I had to leave him off. All right, that'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube. Now, please make your second listen, Game to Game NBA, especially during the season, because they talk about every moment, every top performance, and every result. Locked On Game to Game covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Have a great rest of your day. Remember, we're only going to be on three times a week for the most part. I think we're going to be on on Wednesday and then Thursday is the schedule that we have. So no Tuesday show, but we are going to give you a Wednesday and then a Thursday show. And that will probably more or less be the default schedule for the rest of the month of August. So have a great rest of your day and then we'll be back with you on Wednesday.
1: Bye bye.